If you'd like to listen to Radio Free Brooklyn when you're not in front of your computer, please consider downloading our free mobile app for iPhone and Android available in the App Store for iPhone or the Google Play Store for Android. Please be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter for the latest news about new programming and upcoming RFB events. You can sign up at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash newsletter. You're now listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. Good afternoon, or good evening, or good morning. Is it even Thursday anymore? One thing is for certain, you are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this is Lost and Rewound. With I, your faithful voice behind the microphone, and maybe a mask, Ilan Danziger, coming to you from the rec room in beautiful Bushwick. Though it feels like time is nothing but a construct right now, as every day feels just like the last, it is in fact that time of the week in where you are going to be launched into the distant past. Every week here, we aim to connect the dots between then and now and learn a little bit more about how we got from there to here by listening to sounds of our youth in audio form. Hopefully, We achieve humility, acceptance, and humor all in the process. This week, we're keeping it in the family. Will and Rachel will both join me for a simply brilliant interview with my British cousin, Daniel Cambridge, really my wife's cousin, but hey, by marriage, right? (laughs) Daniel was kind enough to have a video conference chat with us from across the pond, and uh, this is, if I may say so, an especially deep conversation I delay no longer as we must dive down the cliff to get to our interview. So, without further ado, jump with me! Trusty weekly contributors, Rachel Teichman. What up, fam? And Will Hasty. As always. What's up, Alon? What's up? You sound clearer than me, which is a really easy thing to do now that I think about it when I say that. Uh, oh. Easy. I'll get a good mic. I will soon. I think I have one in the other room. Also with us is Daniel Cambridge. He's zooming in today from England, technically. Uh, tonight for him. Uh, Daniel is many things, including an actor and a performing arts lecturer for high school students or over there, students in years 12 and 13. 
He also happens to be family, being my wife Robin's first cousin. He even got to visit New York City recently. He stayed with us while on holiday with his wife and two teenage children. He is with us today from Heswell, UK, the small village where he was born and raised and now raises his family. Welcome, Daniel Cambridge. Hi, nice to see you all. Well done. Welcome to the Zoomed recording of Lost and Rewound on this lovely Thursday afternoon. It's been almost two months, actually, since you were in New York, and now, two months yeah. later, your, your uh, teaching has been compromised, uh, and what's it been like now uh, with, you know, with regards to uh, your relationship with your students? Have you been keeping on in some capacity with your curriculum? Yeah, it's been a bit weird, because we, we normally work towards the really big final product, and we were working on a play with my second years, the culmination of two years' work. Ordinarily, we'd do the show, there'd be a big thing, we'd all cry, and well, they would, and then we'd finish in June, but we were working on a Thursday, and and then I got an email saying that college was closing at the end of the day, everybody go home, that's it, and um, so we had this kind of really subdued farewell, and then the exam board cancelled the final assessments, so we're trying to figure out how to assess their work, and give them a grade and stuff, it's all a bit up in the air. My first years, I only teach two years of, um, of performing arts, a level three, which leads you on to university. My first years are doing a, a web series project uh, set in a zombie apocalypse called Isolation. I thought I'd make the best of a situation by, because I had to keep them going with something. So I figured like a web series, that'd be the best thing that we could do. So uh, that's what we did. Well done, mate. Are you kidding me? You, that would, I would have worshipped you as a teacher if you had suggested oh, that, especially. I'd love to do it. It's going to be cool. In the States, especially in New York, all of a sudden everything changed. Can you give us a quick description of what it was like for you in the UK? Things started to go south in Europe, didn't it, first? And then um, we just sort of followed it. Because my wife works in the hospital. Where there were a load of tourists, UK, English tourists, came back from China and they had to go into quarantine. And so they quarantined them at the hospital where my wife works. Uh, and they kicked out... Um, a load of medics who were living in accommodation at the hospital. So they removed them from the accommodation and used that for quarantine. So Steph was watching that happen, watching all the news cameras, and we were thinking this is all a bit mad, trying to predict what was going to happen. And then things started closing, and we all thought... We all sort of thought, I wonder if the schools will close. Maybe they should. And then we got the call. My son's doing his GCSEs, which... I don't know what the equivalent is. In America, it's like year 11, end of high school, but before sixth form, sort of a qualification, a final qualification uh, that he's been working for for a long time. Final yeah. exams, right? Like end of year exams. Yeah, but, for, but like final, final. So you do 10 subjects, and then when you've done those, that lets you on to the next stage, which is where you choose four subjects or three subjects for your A-levels. Uh, and then that takes you to university or college. So he's about to be 16 years old. It was like a, a big milestone qualification that you work really hard for uh, from year nine. But um, mind you, he's 
ecstatic that he doesn't have to sit the exams. His teachers will give him a grade and he can just sit and play the guitar, play PlayStation instead. So does that essentially mean that, as in the States, most people, are just, most students are just going to be losing a year this year? They're talking to the Qualification Authority, Ofqual, about, <clears throat> about how to award those qualifications. So GCSEs and A-levels are our two big qualifications at 16 and 18, and they're going to award them based on prior attainment and work that they've done previously. So they will get the qualification. Is that as valid, in your opinion, or no? The kids probably won't think so. They'll always be the year. They'll be the ones saying, "Well, I got this grade," and people will say, "Yeah, but did you get the grade really?" Uh, but they they test them enough. There's a, enough mock exams and enough data to go on. I think if I gave my students a grade now, which I'll have to with my second years, it'll be the right grade. It's just that they won't have completed that final project to to get it officially. You've been teaching for how long? Uh, some years, 14 years. Be 14 years teaching. Uh, yeah. That's technically, that's longer than your time as an actor, but it's because of that time that influenced you to be a teacher. I couldn't have taught anything other than drama. So I, I was teaching academic qualifications, but then because of my background, they shifted me into teaching vocational qualifications instead. So academic qualification... Uh, we call them A-levels. Uh, they're exam-based. So you do some performance in theatre studies A-level, but uh, of it comes from written work and a written exam, a big sort of three-hour paper at the end of the two years. Uh, but vocational qualification, you the bulk of what you do is practical, um, learning to be an actor or learning to direct or you know, I had a student director for this final project. She's a really good actor, but she was having these panic attacks. So we discussed whether or not she could play a different role. And she was interested in directing. So she took that on. The vocational course is really flexible. So I, I could assess them on various different things, as long as it was related to the course in some way. When you're doing the vocational training, is, that, is there an expectation that you're not going to go to university? Or is the expectation that you're going to go directly into your field? Oh man, that is a, that's a political question really. Understood, uh, okay. The truth is that, yeah, if you're doing the vocational qualification, it's because you want to go into the industry, maybe go to drama school, maybe um, go and study drama at university or acting, and that you're going to go into the business. But yeah, my students generally aren't great at the academic. Would you say that in general, students come out of the system knowing how to do things? I always think with the vocational qualifications that I teach them, uh, we spend so much time um, improvising, using our bodies, doing physical theatre, trying this and that, uh, that when they come out of it, they, they've learned a little bit of humility about themselves as performers, but also the kind of confidence to try anything and throw themselves at anything and experiment and all of those good things. So, yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't say they're necessarily ready to be pros but they're certainly ready to audition for drama school or some of them go straight in. I've got a lad in a, a former student in a soap opera called Hollyoaks, which is really the, That's cool. Yeah, I was made up when he was in that, but um, he's uh, going to do good things. I think. What about you? Did you uh, come out of your year 13 ready to go and be in a soap opera yourself? <laughs> no, well, no, I, I had higher aspirations. I was, because um, I, 
I was quite pretentious and a little bit of a nerd and uh, I was sort of a little bit full of myself. So um, I auditioned for drama schools thinking I was, well, I only auditioned for one because I was convinced I was going to get in it. May I ask which one? Uh, Bratton Hall. Uh, no way. Not- yeah. No, no biggie. You know? <laughs> yeah. I didn't get in. So um, I went on a kibbutz for a bit and then I came back and I tried again and then I got in the second time. Cheers, mate. That's like a Tish level academy. Holy shit. It was. It was good. Uh, they're closed now. I did a course with a guy who had trained with Heiner Muller, who yeah. took over from Brecht at the Berliner Ensemble. It's sort yeah. of like, you know, uh, sort of European theater royalty. And because he trained with him in Berlin, he just over the course of a week on a course, he'd convinced me that um, I was probably destined for much higher things than television and that I should become some kind of artist and wear a lot more black. I mean, he didn't say these things, <laughs> but I picked up from him as a human. And so when I went for drama schools, it was with this kind of like, I don't know, an arrogance or, or whatever about myself and my what I was good at. I think I must have come across like a prick. So, <laughs> so a self-righteous drama school kid applying to drama school no way we all grow up i suppose don't we i found out that i was related to oscar wilde so i think i thought oh, that yeah. gave me a right to, on my yeah my on my mum's side he's like uh his mum and my mum share a direct uh, line down the family tree my great aunt doris foxwell we all call her Miss Boxwell, or that she's Dor- Doris Boxwell. Dor- that is the greatest oh. name I've ever heard. Doris, Doris Boxwell. Boxwell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we named one of the chickens after her. <laughs> she was known as Aunt. Uh, if you were in the family, she was Aunt. If you weren't in the family, she was Miss Boxwell. No one called her Doris. She did some research into the family, and she'd found there's a whole load of them in Ireland, and uh, she found out that um, Oscar Wilde's mum was a Boxwell. Uh, so we were over in Ireland not so long ago and we visited the family there and we were in their house. They got this really ornate uh, lock, brass lock on their door and we said, oh, that's lovely. Where's that? Is that an old lock? It looks quite old. And they said, oh, yeah, it came from the house in um, in Dublin. I can't remember what the name of the square is. We went to the house in this square and there's a blue plaque on the wall saying that this is the house Oscar Wilde grew up in. Oh, we were like, shit. I mean, I wish I'd been as successful as him, but, you know. Okay. Well, oh, stop it. You are guiding young minds in an era when you're going to fundamentally change them. You're doing the work that a bunch of self-righteous losers who are, who are single actors <laughs> will never be able let's, to touch. Let, let's bring I'm it back. I'm sure people were looking at me on the telly and saying, he's amazing. <laughs> you, you came from very humble backgrounds. This whole self-righteous thing doesn't really apply to you because you literally spend so much of your uh, time, you, both you and your wife, and I know your father as well, um, Uncle Clive, your seasoned vets in acts of selflessness. When we were allowed to travel, you would go on trips to uh, Africa, to uh, Uganda specifically. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, okay. Well, I've been a youth leader in my church for about 20 years. Um, oh, wow. And initially, because my wife was, before we were married, and I didn't get to spend much time with her, so... Uh, Wait, please just, tell me that was your wooing tactic. It kind of, yeah, it kind of was. So we, <laughs> met, <laughs> we met when we were in this youth group uh, as kids. Uh, she's a little older than me. Um, and then when I came back from drama school, 
uh, on the holidays and things and we were seeing each other. She worked full time. She had a full time job. So the only time I could see her perhaps was on a Sunday night at this youth group. About 12 years ago, they forged a connection with a school in Uganda and uh, they started a charity and they started taking groups of young people out there every couple of years, 30 teenagers from the youth group. And then I started going in the off year. So every time the opposite year to them going mm. with the team teachers and builders and things like that. So uh, I've been, yeah, probably since maybe seven years or something. I've been doing that every other year. Just it's just two weeks, like, but you, we go to the schools there and do something, uh, b- building work or uh, if there's teachers with us, teach a bit of drama if I can. I mean, do you have, do you have friends there that you've made consistently who you're still in contact with? Is it has it become? Yeah. It sounds like it's become a very big pillar of your life. I should say. Yeah, it's more normal now. To begin with, it was like a thing where I was. It was a big. I'm going to Uganda and we're going to do some good and then uh obviously i made friends with people there so uh now it's more like it's schools that we're helping to reach self-sufficiency but yeah i've made a few good friends i started learning the language a couple of years ago uh on on well mostly using youtube and um mm. and dictionary i found online so i don't even know if i'm getting it right to be honest well, hey man koale laboha yes what? Yeah. what? What was that? I said, hello, how are you in, um, what's it called? Oh, no, that's a Botswanese language. I'm wrong. Forget it. Well, well okay. <laughs> what, what, give us, uh, enlighten us with some kind of uh, a cool phrase that you've learned in this language. Oh, my, well, my favorite thing is more the confusion. So they, they have long and short vowel and consonant sounds, which change the meaning of the words. So, for instance, I discovered while I was painting a classroom, uh, the word for classroom is echibina. So you can say siya uh, echibina, which means I'm painting the classroom. Uh, but if you say siya echibina, uh, you're saying I'm painting a, a fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. The difference between classroom and backside is is a long vowel sound that. If you're just getting it wrong, it's yeah. the, the, the power yeah. of enunciation is so <laughs> crucial. You've given us a pretty good picture of what you're doing now and uh, how you got at least from uh, the latter part of your uh, studies into now. What about your kids? Like, have your kids looked at you as a sort of like an inspiration to like things to do or do they go as far away from like what their parents do in terms of like influence? Um, it's a tough one, really, because I packed in acting when Noah was still little. Can you give us a rundown of your family? Honor's 13 now. Um, uh, Noah is 15, but he's 16 in about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Honor and Noah. Honor's um, tall, sort of blonde, a bit of a nutter, like sort of clownish idiot. Uh, <laughs> I, when I say idiot, I mean it in a, it's a compliment from me. If it, you know, I, I like um, I like all the kind of clown idiots that like Chaplin and uh, yeah. Rowan Atkinson and all of those guys. So when I call her an idiot, I'm it's out of love. I think it's brilliant. Term of and, endearment. Um, it is totally. And uh, Noah is uh, six foot three, 
he's like a massive ginge. Um, he's, he's, pretty, he's pretty ripped. He plays the guitar. Uh, he's got long hair. Good bit of a ladies' man. Yes, no. No, he doesn't really realise quite the power that he could. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they, um, so yeah, I, I packed in acting when Noah was about three. So he did see my last couple of professional tours, but he was too small really to know it. And then I did, actually I did one more, like a little, I was in Cyrano de Bergerac. My second year of teaching, I did a, a summer tour. Well, who'd you play? Uh, Cyrano de Bergerac it was. So, so, you were he, the, so you were the lead essentially. Yeah, it was a, um, a sort of a postmodern adaptation of it. So there were three Cyrano's in it. There was the real right. Cyrano, which I played, and then there was the fictional Cyrano, and then there was an actor playing the first actor who ever portrayed Cyrano on stage, and then there was um, a couple of other kind of meta characters in there. But essentially, yeah. it was the story Cyrano de Bergerac with a lot of stage fighting and silly costumes and big noses. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool, actually. Was religion as present in your life before you met your wife, uh, when you were growing up uh, with your, you know, your parents and you have an older brother? Um, but, you know, were you raised uh, to have some more of that sensibility uh, before meeting her? Really? Uh, I mean, we, w- we went to church out of, out of habit, but my parents didn't go, really. We, we were in the church choir. Um, but it was like a thing that you sort of did, you know, middle class, uh, nice uh, local church. Um, it was just a thing that the kids did in the family. Um, and then we, we, my brother and I both started going to the same youth group uh, in church. To <laughs> well, only because like there were girls there, really. Uh, and so <laughs> the main reason. Legendary. Yeah. It. I mean. It, it was very cynical from my point of view. I just wanted to make <laughs> My brother came. And then um, I think just through going to that, I sort of absorbed it all and played it all through in my mind. So I became a Christian when I was 16, I guess. Um, my brother, uh, a similar sort of time. Um, and then that was it for me then, once I'd sort of decided that it was all real. Uh, and then I just kind of, I sort of stuck with it. But Steph was in that youth group. She was, she doesn't really remember me. She thinks of herself as having been my brother's friend. But um, I always thought we were all friends. But apparently, yeah. Oh, I have a little memory of that. Oh um, man, that's a burn right there. <laughs> yeah, <man. laughs> no. It's a little awkward, to be honest, because I talk about things that we did, and she says, oh, no, you weren't there. Um, I did that with Benedict. I'm like, no, no, no. We were, we were all there uh, as friends. We have more with Rachel and Will alongside our guest for this hour, my cousin Daniel Cambridge, coming right up right after this on Lost and Rewound. On Radio Free Brooklyn. COVID-19 is disrupting everyone's lives right now, and Radio Free Brooklyn is no exception. We want you to know that we have made every effort to ensure the health and well-being of our hosts, staff, and the community at large. We've closed both our studios and canceled live events, but our hosts are still doing their best to continue bringing new original programming by broadcasting live and pre-recording from their home studios or by selecting the best rebroadcasts of their past shows. 
With most of our revenue streams evaporated, we need your help. We realize you may be hurting too, but if you can afford a small donation, it would go a long way toward helping us stay on the air. There are three ways you can help. First, you can give a one-time or monthly donation by going to radiofreebrooklyn.org slash donate. There you'll find some great t-shirts, mugs, and other swag that we'd like to send you to say thanks. You could also use your phone to text RFBGIVE5, that's the number 5, to 44321. It only takes a moment, and you'll be able to use your digital wallet for your donation. Finally, if you shop on Amazon, you can go to Amazon.com smile and register Radio Free Brooklyn as the nonprofit you wish to support. When you do, a percentage of your sales will go to RFB, and it will cost you nothing. No donation is too big or too small. Whatever you can afford will make a huge difference. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts and wish all our listeners health and happiness as we weather this storm together. We have returned. We are back with our motley group, including the UK. We're, 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 We're zooming with the UK. This week, we're just zooming with the zooming UK. With the UK, the, you, you are you are live and direct from Heswell. Heswell. Yeah, the, uh, the we're all we're the only bit of of the UK that has a the in the title. Uh, really, we get, we're quite militant about that. You can't if people just call us Wirral, we get a bit cross. Um, it's the Wirral. I don't know why. I think and it's because we're peninsula. Because you're a peninsula, you said. Yeah. Huh? The Wirral Peninsula, I don't know. It's near Liverpool. Oh my God, that was, it's near Liverpool. It is near Liverpool, mate. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to listen to a few, we're going to watch, technically, but we're going to listen to a few snippets of some home mo- movie that we received from you, from 1989. Um, you're 16 in this? How old are you in this clip? 14. 14. You're 14, okay. Yeah. 14, 1989. You go to Marbella, Spain. Your parents love to travel. So like they were like, because we love to travel, we're going to go to this place. We're going to go to that place. Maybe you were living in a very, you know, quaint place like Hezbollah, but uh, you guys did get to travel quite a bit. Yeah, we went all over. Um, they had friends in, in all over Spain. Um, and in Zaire, we went to places, friends all over Germany and Holland. Uh, but the, the place in Marbella, they, my dad bought that as a holiday house so uh we went there for at least once a year but sometimes like twice a year or for the whole summer we'd go for a long time this first of a couple of clips so i don't really know what's happening here there seems to be a fire that was made um yeah. could you paint the picture for us a little bit uh it's out in the backyard i think we've had the barbecue um and on this particular holiday i think we were joined by a friend of my dads who worked for him and her husband and one of their kids i think okay So what I was going to happen, and he just sort of like, well, strolled off. 
Norwegian for sod off dog. I'm gonna start wow. asking people if they've been bitten on the willy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did you ever see? Did you or real quick? Did you ever see Julian Glover? Does everybody know who that is? Yeah. No. The, he's a British actor who you would know from like Indiana Jones and a bunch of other. He was the guy that melted into the skeleton in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, okay. You Rachel? assume that I'm that cultured. Rach, you know this movie. I promise you, you know this movie. So I'm pretty anyway, sure I do not. You may not know this movie. Wow, I feel like. Anyway, <laughs> um, anywho, that reminded me, like, almost verbatim of a movie he made of himself reading Beowulf. <laughs> except Because, like, all the lighting is dark. You have this, like, little monster coming out of the walls. But, like, dude, that looks like such a sweet family vacation. What, are you eating melon? Are you Were you eating, like, honeydew or something? What was I think that big- so. What was that big slab of something in front of you? That looks like a really beloved family setting. You look really comfortable. It was. It was a little backyard, and the and then this dog came out of the darkness. The thing about the the ant biting on the willy uh, that <laughs> that actually that happened. Uh, so, uh, I was having a wee, and uh, I looked down, and this ant had crawled up my leg and was uh, sort of crawling out along my old chap. And um, as I looked down, <laughs> down, it sank its little anti-teeth <clears throat> into my 
um, into my penis. No! <laughs> well, that's like a nightmare. No! That's like a nightmare. You know what that is, right? And it, it, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be honest, mate. At that age, I would have been like, does this feel good? What is it, Rachel? <laughs> it's it's flaming. Oh no! No no no! It's the opposite of flaming. I, I've yeah. never heard of anything more gnarly than that. Um, Except the I, movie Vagina Dentata, unless you've seen that. I, look, oh, yeah, I've, with the teeth. I've had my butt bitten by a dog. Ah, it's oh. the closest I'll ever get to getting my nether regions in any uh, canine mouth. Damn it. But much prefer, sure much prefer yes. butt to penis bite. Much prefer butt to penis bite. Yeah. Daniel, Daniel would you like to weigh in on this? <laughs> Penis bite with my favorite 80s band. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, all right, I'm not saying that I want to be bitten on the butt. I'm just saying that there's a form of birth control that um, is in the form of a shot, and they give you the option between getting it in your arm and in your butt. And every time I would go and get this shot back when I was on this, they would be like, do you want it in your arm or your butt? And I would, of course, I would always say my arm. And they were like, are you sure? Like, it's going to hurt more. And I'm like, yeah, please don't bite my butt. <laughs> Amazing. Who's manning the camera here? Is that your father, Daniel? Is that no, your that's my dad. He bought this massive VHS camera. Uh, he had Betamax and everything. He, oh, he my God. As it came out. Was he one of those, like, I have to document every aspect of my family with the most modern technology? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Yeah, that's oh. why we got all these. That's really sweet. Uh, the next clip we're going to be watching, there was a pool, that's and there was, right, like, yeah. some night swimming. It's kind of dark, so honestly, it's going to be not like anyone would be missing anything with the visuals, yeah. but it's really a beautiful evening uh, on this vacation. For our listeners, if you've, if you've seen top five scary horror movies, that's kind of what this looks like. Here we go. We've heard about these press coming into the village. <laughs> The tribe of villains. Go on, get out. There you go. Go on, shoot. You're on grandstand, do you? The Olympics. Oh, pen, pen. Oh, the Olympic Games here. <laughs> oh. I'm going to go running and jump. I also left the camera. What? You didn't leave the camera. What? Dad didn't leave the camera. Well, he's filming you with it now. What? <laughs> <laughs> Give me Daniel. <laughs> Got ya. Come 
Hold on, wait. I'll give you a hand benefit because I know you're through me. Oh no! Hold on. Don't bother. <laughs> it is your last day. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Man, I feel a water, don't you? No. Hey, man, you're going to have to help us with our exit. No, you're not. You are. Come on. Swing in and throw him. Swing in and throw him. No, you're going to scrape me. <laughs> Ow! Okay, just drop him in, then, eh? Ah! No! I need to hold, doesn't he? Uh, <laughs> give me a hand, I wouldn't leave. Yes, yeah, yeah. Nah. <laughs> okay. Go on, give him a hand. Okay, Steve, go on, give him a hand, eh? It's a bit tight. Oh, please! Ah, nice away. Come on. Give him a hand. Wait, you doing? Whoa. Ah. Say it now. Yeah, I can see the red light. Yeah, it's because yeah, you're standing it's in light, the way. Doesn't it? Can you say it now? I can't see you, no. <laughs> Mind you, that could be the wine. Do Clive drown. Come on, Flip. Do Clive no, drown. Go on, go on. You're on candid now. Right. Go on, then. Go for it. Impress go the girls. Come on, the girls are going to love this. <laughs> go, go, go. Which girls need? Thanks a lot. That's a lot. Tidal wave. The girls are gonna love this. <laughs> <laughs> Did you jump backwards and say drinks? Like, I, don't know, I don't know who is who because I can't see anything. Could You can tell from the voices probably. A, or, is there a memory of that situation? Of that uh, of that happening, Daniel? Um, yeah, a little bit. There was um, a woman there who worked for my dad uh, called Mandy and she was there with her husband and her younger brother i think and um she was very uh beautiful uh older woman it was a little bit awkward when you're like a 14 year old lad and um mucking about in the pool and all of that sort of thing um i think we were just showing off a bit and because they were a little bit more scouse than us i noticed our our accents Shifted a bit more scouse and a bit less. <laughs> oh, okay. To, so, be, to be clear, yeah, give yeah. us a regional distinction. So uh, that's a bit more scouse like that from Liverpool. And uh, this is the way that I normally speak. So it was, you know, it shifts just like we, a chameleon. Are, some of us, some of us uh, can get the sort of subtle difference. I and, don't. And I am not one of them. So yeah. if you, yeah, if you could, if you could dumb that down for <laughs> American audiences, so like take it down to like three percent of level of intelligence that you would do in the UK. Oh boy. Um, so Americans, when they do a British accent, they they normally start talking like this, which is like BBC uh, or the Queen. Um, <laughs> and they speak very posh, uh, but then um, Scouse is very Liverpool, uh, you know, uh, the Beatles, they all, uh, they're all Scouses, the Beatles, and it's a little bit more like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have time for one more clip, Daniel. Are you ready? Okay, yeah. You, you sent this. I received this to... by post in 1995. Yeah. This oh, tape. Do you want me to set it up so you know what you're listening to? Yes, yes, please, yes, yes please. Tell so, us this, what's this faculty quickly, project radio play? 
So at Bretton Hall, um, I was studying acting and uh, you had to do an elective unit in something. When I listened to it, because I've not heard it since I left there. Oh dear. Um, so until Elan sent me the, the file before, and um, in my head, I remember something completely different. And I wonder yeah. if we just talked about doing a follow-up or something. I don't remember it. We were trying to write a horror movie spoof but we didn't write enough material for a 10 minute radio play. So we interspersed it with adverts and it was like the sound of the radio stations detuning. And so we sort of basically, we padded out a very weak idea with some equally weak uh, radio adverts. It was a lot of fun to do. And I was, I said before when I messaged Dylan, it reminded me of a girl called Laurie Harrison, who I haven't thought about since then, I've completely forgotten about her, and we were sort of friends at drama school, so it was a good little trip down memory lane listening to that. Take us down memory lane. Uh, we will play this clip, and uh, we're excited to hear this uh, tape from 1995. Woo! of our old pleasure is Apocalypse in Blood, adapted for radio by Longman's Audiovisual French from the original Dostoevsky screenplay. Additional karma has been provided by the Guru Raj Ananda Yogi. Last this snow. It looks like we're stuck here for the week, gang. But, Damien, I simply must get home for my high school reunion tomorrow. Don't worry, Carrie. If it stops snowing, we'll be able to leave in the morning. Bretton Hall is so... lonely when... Bretton Hall is so lonely when the students go home, don't you think? I think it's spooky. Oh, what was that? Relax, Carrie. It's just Jason and Batesy. Hi, kids. Are you stuck here too? The car won't start. Me and Batesy are going down to the secluded maze of tunnels beneath the college, which are reputed to be haunted by the ghost of the Breton River, to tell scary stories and experiment with soft drugs. If you want to join us. Can't we? <laughs> Can't we go to the bar instead? My throat's killing me. It's not open. Besides, this sounds like fun. I think it sounds spooky. Welcome, oh, chaps. Brew your own beer. It's cheaper than buying it. It may taste like piss, but there's no harm in trying it. Clear <laughs> <laughs> well, that is fun. Yeah, and it's cheap, too. Where, where's Carrie? She likes this sort of thing. She's gone. <laughs> <laughs> 
to get some air, I think. Freddy's with her. Poor old Carrie. I think that speed went to her head. <laughs> OK, Freddy, I've finished. Freddy? Come on, Fred, this isn't funny. It's really spooky, OK? Fred, is that you? Who are you? Oh, my God! Oh, no, please, no! Sit on your nose. Shut up. Only, I didn't notice it before in the dark. Shut it. You really should squeeze it. It's disgusting. Be quiet. Shut up. Shut up. You're sensitive about your acne, aren't you? I, I found Carrie. Where is she? She's... Where? She's... She's been pinned to the student services office door. <sighs> impaled on her own femur. There's a loan form stapled to her forehead. Her belt is wrapped around her neck and there's a knife stuck in her heart. Is she... dead? Many people are now... The government, for the first time backed by the Labour Party and the Liberal Democrats, have stated that students are to receive not a penny of taxpayers' money to further their educations. And let's face it, why should they? These reports are part of government's plans to fill Britain's universities with the right class of people, people whose parents can afford to pay the fees. A spokesperson for the government said yesterday that the taxpayers will be saved millions. Lady Thatcher is reported to be... Freddy, where have you been? Lou and Jason have been looking all over for you. There's a killer on the loose. We were so worried. Wait a minute. Where's Lou and Jason? They're lying underneath, Carrie. You don't mean... Yes. You don't mean... Yes. You don't mean... Yes. What does she mean? They're dead. The killer has written 2.3% interest in the snow with this small intestines. <laughs> what was that? I don't know, but I intend to find out. Norm, give me that torch. Don't go. You don't know what's out there. I must take care of Freddy. She's just a girl. He's so brave. Right. I'm on the spot here. 
Bretton Hall College for our on-the-spot report today with uh, a couple of students, a popular music student and a dramatic art student. So, p- please, uh, Rick, tell me, um, what do you think of Bretton Hall? Um, well, it's all right, you know. I spend, uh, spend a lot of time sleeping, uh, do a lot of drinking as well, uh, smoke all sorts of things. Um, but I can't just seem to get the motivation to actually, you know, do things about my craft. Uh, what about your lectures? What would they be, then? They're, they're what, what you go to to uh, teach you, your, your, give you your education. Oh, that's what all those letters are about. Oh, thanks very much, anyway. Right. Um, so, Laurie, tell me, have you anything to say about, uh, well, student grants? Student... Grants, student. Yeah, that's that's what pays for your education. The government? Ra- oh no, no, my parents do all that. They they survive mainly on bread. You, I should have guessed. The footprints in the snow, the handwriting, all the clues were there. Well, you won't take <laughs> me without a fight. I've beaten you before, remember? We were friends once. What went wrong? You're just a victim of society. Don't fight me. Turn yourself in, man. You can't kill me. Remember what it was like before? to be that political that's pretty awesome we were we were big fans of um of monty python um yeah uh, you know hugh laurie who's in in house yeah of course uh, he, to, he had a double act with um stephen fry called fry and laurie uh who used to do these mad sketches and we were big fans of those guys and the um the goon show and all that kind of classic british mm. 1960s british comedy uh Fry and Laurie went sixties, but the the goons and um, and Python, and so I think we were just trying to do satire like them with stupid voices and characters. I don't know. I, I, I remember mean, it being that's the best. It's it's so good. I mean, the derivative or not, I mean, the fact that you were doing a radio play with faculty members uh, just shows like. That, that you were not only letting your students be the creative ones, that you guys could be the creative ones as well. Yeah, we were just going for big, full-on spoof, I think. I don't think we had the skills to make anything quality artistic. Is this your first time now on officially some kind of radio since this particular uh, jaunt? Yeah, I think it is, you know. 
25 years yeah. later, it's all coming yeah. full circle, Daniel. You were supposed to be in New York City after you visited us. Yeah. You were scheduled to come to New York to be seeing a Broadway show with your students. Yeah, I was really looking forward to being there. We were going to watch West Side Story. Um, and we had a tour booked at Juilliard. Uh, just a kind of aspirational thing to say, look, look at this place. Look at the kinds of things that you guys could do. Yeah, it was really exciting to be able to do that. I hope we do get a chance to go later on. Is there like an Instagram that uh, you would like to direct uh, the listener to? My, my course Instagram is the underscore PTP, which is the professional theatre program. And on that, it's mainly stuff about the course. But I'm also really connected with a theatre company called Off the Ground, which is based on the Wirral and in Liverpool. Um, and uh, there's loads of good stuff on their website. My youth theatre is, is up on their website. And um, they occasionally release stuff. Uh, past shows and that so I'm hoping that um, maybe one of the plays that I wrote or something I've been in might come out on on their website uh, or their YouTube channel soon but yeah I guess those are the things that you could check me out on although you could follow um, my daughter's Instagram um, she's just set one up for our chickens hey ch- chickens hey, of the north so uh, if you follow chickens of the north uh, then you'll get loads of uh, chicken related content that's incredible thank you very much to our entire group for uh chiming in for this thursday uh this has been wonderful uh daniel cambridge going through uh the ringer to join us on this evening for lost and rewound thank you so much daniel it's been a real pleasure great real pleasure man great talking to you yes thank you Rachel, thank you very much for contributing your time, and Will, to you as well. It's time to get married with us. Always, always, always. always. you liked what you heard this hour, email the show, lostandrewound at radiofreebrooklyn.org. You could even be a guest on the show just like Daniel. If you're courageous enough, I know you are. I believe in you. All of our past episodes are up on Apple Podcasts as well as SoundCloud and from all I can gather from multiple Google searches, multiple other platforms as well that I can't even bother to recall at this time, mind you, but at any rate, Spotify, sure, I'm almost certain. Uh, But listen, Really, if you're going to do that dig through our massive archive to pick an episode to listen to that has a funny title uh, that looks appealing to you, <laughs> visit our main site. That's radiofreebrooklyn.org slash L-A-R, and you will see the megaphone player there below our information equipped with hundreds of episodes from over the past four years. Lastly, for this hour, I got to give a quick shout out to Dashi. Some delicious new food just opened up here in Bushwick, and not a day too soon for the locals who can't leave their apartments. Dashi is a new American restaurant and cafe specializing in Japanese and Asian comfort foods, and it's right 
in the heart of Bushwick at 119 Ingram Street, just a few blocks from the Morgan L. Stop. They've got great dishes. They've got noodles. They've got rice dishes. They've got small plates. They've got salads. And if you want a hamburger or BLT, they have got that too. They are open every day, most days from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. You should check their website for hours and order online from Grubhub, Postmates, or DoorDash. Check them out. Dashi, Brooklyn, that's D-A-S-H-I, brooklyn.com. Or stop by Dashi in person and welcome them to the hood. Tell them RFB sent you. Until next week, I wish you to continue your staying safe, staying resilient, and hold on to that there sanity of yours the best you can. We'll get through it, right? Yeah, we will. My name is Alon Danziger, and this has been episode 210 of Lost and Rewound. Bye-bye. I've got a nickname. Um, for, like all good Cambridges, uh, a barmaid gave me a nickname in Luganda. She said... Uh, your Lugandan name is Omusisi. And I was like, that sounds amazing. Uh, what does Omusisi mean? She said it means earthquake. I was like, that is brilliant. Like, went, That's a wrestler name. Because I'm fat. And she just went, yes. <laughs>